come on. Why don't you give the worship team just a, a hand? Praise God, aren't they? Amen. Now, I know we oftentimes say thank you to them, but you know that when it comes to those that are serving, whether it's our children's ministry or those that are ushering or greeting or those that are in the tech area, hospitality, whatever it is, everybody is significant in what they do, aren't they? And so thank you so much for your opportunity to serve and just your faithfulness to serve. You guys are so awesome, and we couldn't do it without you. Again, appreciate you so much. Uh, you know, just want to, uh, again, welcome you to Genesee Valley Church. Uh, obviously, this is entering into the summer months. And you know, when it's summer months, people tend to go out of town and go on vacation. So you realize that that's reflective in the church when it comes to attendance. You realize that, right? But uh, uh, that being said, God's doing some awesome and some, some significant things here at Genesee Valley Church. And so that being said, don't ever think that, it's, uh, uh, that there's a heavy hand around here for uh, you getting away. We want you to enjoy family time, and obviously summertime is one of those times that you can do that. Just uh, make sure that if you're going to go for a long extended period of time, like say Hawaii or something, you make room in your budget for my wife and I, okay? Um, <laughs> We'll take care of the babysitters. We'll make sure that they have the opportunity to go somewhere. But we'll go with you if it's Hawaii. So just, but man, I'm telling you what, God is doing some good things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to week number two of our new series called Intervention. Hey, guys, can you turn off the stuff up on the stage here, please? Thank you, guys. Oh, praise God. It gets noisy up there. You hear the worship team up there, and you never hear the stuff that's going on in the background. But praise God. I want you to be able to hear me. Don't you want to hear me? Thank you. Right answer. Praise God. <laughs> so uh, welcome to week number two, our series called Intervention. Uh, last week was a great message and a great opportunity to speak into your lives. And I, I'm trusting and believing God to do some significant things through the series that we're uh, embarking upon and that God is going to begin to stretch us and grow us and develop us in some areas and that this life that God called us to live is going to be extremely fun and exciting. You know, we said this in regards to 2015 that this life or this year is going to be a year that we purpose to really begin to experience the blessings of God. Now, the blessings of God empower us to prosper. We said that we're going to purpose to be people that live by faith and just simply trust God. And, and, and for some, it's like that's a whole new thing. But we just believe that as we're hanging around one another, that we're just purposing to grow and trust God in every aspect of our life. And then lastly, we said we're going to be a church and people and families that are full of joy. Can you say joy? Joy is something that comes from God. It's not something that's of an emotional state, state or a feeling. It's something that comes from God. And you realize that when it comes to being happy or feeling happy, that can come and go as the wind comes, Right. You know, your, your, your husband or wife looks at your cross-eyed and it's like, I'm no longer happy. But when it comes to joy, joy comes from God. And in the midst of the greatest storms of life, I can keep joy and keep a smile on my face, a spring in my step, and I can be singing a tune because I've got joy in my heart and God is faithful. Come on, you hear? Amen. And so I'm trusting that in regards to this series, it's just going to put us over through the summer. And you might think, well, summer is always a downtime and it's kind of weird, just kind of coast through. I believe that we can pick up momentum, excitement, and really get fired up as we enter into the fall. And therefore, we're, just, we're, we're at an all-time high when we get there. Not trying to have to ramp it up, but we're like, man, we're ready to go. And I just believe that's what's God, what God is doing in our church. So to simply start us off, I want to give you a def definition of what intervention is. And an intervention is an, an orchestrated attempt by one or many people, usually family and friends, to get someone to seek help with a crisis 
or other serious problems. And intervention relies heavily on having the family as the whole enter into a phase of recovery. This helps us or helps take the focus off the struggle or the struggling individual and, not the, and notes the needs of the entire family unit to uh, change in their efforts for everyone who is involved to get healthy. Excuse me just a minute while I move this down. So it allows everybody to come into a healthy relationship and get through the issues, not focusing on an individual, right? So I don't know if that paints a negative picture for you or not, but my whole eye, my whole heart in behind this is being able for us as a family to get healthy. And not that we're not healthy already, but to get healthier, right? And you realize that there, there's individuals within our church family, if you will, that are maybe going through some struggles of life. And God said this, we see in the scripture that we're all connected and united as one body and one family. And therefore, if you're struggling, I'm struggling. So you can see that when it comes to the body of Christ or the local church, that we become uh, accustomed or united together in whatever it is that we're going through. And so therefore, I'm purposing for us to come into a place of healthy development and growth together, not just individually, but as a church family. Can you say amen? Amen. And so as we see this, uh, as we begin to look at, last week we looked in uh, 2 Corinthians and looked at a few verses. Uh, if you will go ahead and turn into 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and just get there as ahead of time and we'll look there uh, as time permits. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1. As we were looking in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, or 2 Corinthians rather, and as we really look at the scriptures through the epistles for that matter, these are letters that the Apostle Paul is writing to the churches. There's the Corinth church, there's the church of Ephesus, there's the church of Philippi, there's the church of Genesee Valley Church. Are you identifying? And so it's just locating uh, who they are and where they're at. But these letters, if you will, are real, really letters of intervention. Paul is saying, I can't get there, so therefore I'm going to send you a letter and, and talk to you about some things. First, he would exhort them and say, hey, you're doing some things great, man. Keep it up. But then he would begin to intervene and he would say, here are some areas that you need to make some correction. And here are some areas that you need to make some different direction, right? And so really, the epistles or the writings of Paul to the, the churches that we read after, and here in, in, in Corinthians, it is an opportunity of intervention to help them become healthier and better followers of Christ. And so we're going to begin to look at that as to, as to how that pertains to us and what that means as we purpose to uh, get healthy and have an intervention in our own particular life. We said this last week as well as we started this series. We said that there are different places that people find themselves in. And, and just as the Apostle Paul, as he was writing to the church, he found that there was different people at different places in their walk with Christ in those churches, Right? And so it makes no difference whether it's the church of Genesee Valley Church. There are different people at different places in their walk with God. Some people that, man, last week was your first time of ever coming to church. Maybe a couple weeks ago it might have been an opportunity for you to receive Christ into your life. And there might be other ones that have walked with Christ for the majority of their life. And so whatever church you're a part of or whatever church we see, there are people at different places and different walks in their relationship with God. Amen? Amen. But then we also said this, that... For the individual that receives Christ, there is an immediate change. Before you received Christ, the Bible says that you were separated from God, that God saw you as a sinner, if you will, 
and therefore you had no opportunity to spend eternity with him. But upon hearing about Jesus Christ and what he did for you in your life, and upon saying, Jesus, come into my heart, God, forgive me of my sins, the Bible tells us that immediately you were changed. You were a brand new creation on the inside. We said that the old, or the outward man, rather, is the same person. You look the same. You're the same height. You're the same weight. You have the same color hair. But something immediately changed on the inside. In a moment's time, in a twinkling of an eye, when you said, Jesus, come into my life, you were brand new on the inside. But we also said this, that when it comes to that brand new person on the inside, that it would be unrealistic for us to expect to know what it is to live this Christian life automatically. Right? And as a result, we said that many times there's people that become frustrated because I become a Christian, but what do I do? Or we become a Christian and there's this tug of war on the inside because there's this, there's this side of where my old nature, my physical man wants to do certain things, but the inside is saying, maybe you should do this over here. And so there's this frustration, but God wants to help us grow and to develop and learn what it is to become a believer and a follower of Christ. But right on the other hand, even though it seems or that would seem realistic or, or understandable that it would not be realistic for a brand new believer to know in, in, instinctively and automatically what it is to walk with God, we have this idea that if we go to church long enough that we know what it is to be a good Christian, right? That if, I, if I'm raised in church, if I go to church regularly, if, I, if I've spent a good majority of my life as, as a believer, a follower of Christ, I must be a mature and a good Christian and I know what to do. But once again, that statement alone is unrealistic. Because just going to church, just saying I received Christ 30 years ago and I've been a Christian and I've walked with God for the last 30 years doesn't necessarily mean that you've begun to learn what it is to really live successfully as a Christian. Are, are you following me this morning? And so as we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So notice what it says here. All the promises of God are yes and amen, or so be it. Everybody say all. all. So all the promises are yes and so be it for those of us that are in Christ. So when we look at the promises, now there's all kinds of promises that God makes, makes to us believers throughout the Word of God. But the real significant ones that we're, we're going to just simply look at right now is what we see over in Galatians chapter 3. It says that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law and therefore we've received the promises of Abraham. In the promises of Abraham that God promised the church is health and healing, provision and prosperity, and deliverance and protection, and then ultimately eternal life to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And so these are the promises that God said belong to you and I. So in other words, he says, does, you, you might say to God, God, does, does healing and health belong to me? Is it a promise? He says, yes. He says, well, well can I experience that? He'd say, so be it. That's how that scripture would be applic uh, applicable to our lives. We'd say, well, God, do, do you want to, 
take care of me? Do you want to provide? Do you want to help me succeed and be prosperous in my life? He'd say, yes. Well, can I live that way? And he'd say, so be it. Or what about my family, my children? They're going off to school. God, can I, can I believe? Is it your promise for my family and my kids that you'll protect them and deliver them from, from obstacles of harm throughout their life? He says, yes. Amen. Well, can I believe that then when my kids go to school? Can, can I believe that for my family? He says, so be it. So all of the promises are yes and amen to those of us who are in Christ. But if that is the promise... If he says these promises are yes and so be it for our lives, then how come it is that we're seeing very little of those type of things within the church? How come it seems so hard or that we're not seeing the evidence in everyday individuals' lives that call themselves Christians, right? How many of you are seeing people that are just healthy and whole all the time? They face obstacles that I believe God and God took care of it. Or they're just living on top when it comes to having more than enough. No, you look at the church, it seems as though there's a lot of people that are struggling financially, right? Just barely making ends meet. But God said, I've made you a promise that you don't have to struggle through life. He didn't say you're not going to face opposition. He said you don't have to struggle. Come on, that's good news. Now, for those of you that are new, maybe you're saying, I just come to church for the first time, or I'm just new to this whole church thing. Listen, I want you to know that walking with Jesus is so good and so awesome and that you don't have to struggle through life. Are you going to face obstacles? Yes. But if you'll learn this right from the the get-go, that God wants you to prosper and be successful in every aspect of your life, it will give you the opportunity to begin to trust Him and believe Him for it out of the chute rather than saying, well, somebody told me it's not for today. Well, you just never know the will of God. No. God tells us what His will is. And so once again, we're looking at this idea or asking the question, why is it that we see so little of God's promises being experienced in the lives of people that call themselves Christians? We're talking about having an intervention so that we as believers can be healthy, not just individually, but as a church whole. As we continue to see in 2 Corinthians there, remember this is a letter of intervention that he spoke to the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this. He says, we're all going to face challenges in life. He begins that chapter by saying, we're all going to face challenges in life. But then he picks up in verses 16 through 18, and it says this. He says, therefore we do not lose heart. So if he's telling us that we don't lose heart, how many of you know that you might have the opportunity to lose heart? Right? Looking at the circumstances and the problems and the things that maybe would be knocking on your door. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So notice what he says here. We're going to look at a few of those verses there. First of all, he says, the inward man is being renewed. Do you remember last week we said that there is a distinction of how God made us? We are a spirit. We live in a body and we possess a soul. What is your body? Your body is this physical nature of your man. It is your earth suit that you live in while you're here on the earth. 
Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right? And so therefore he says that inward man, the real you, is being renewed day by day. So therefore this renewing, this developing, this maturing of this real me on the inside obviously must not be automatic if it's day by day. Right? So there's a growth process that God says, listen, I want you to learn how to develop and grow and learn how to become a Christian. If we put that in natural application, just to simply make the point, going to the gym and just hanging around the gym, just sitting and watching everyone work out, it doesn't make you physically fit, does it? And you talk to somebody, I go to the gym seven days a week. I got my own locker, got my work clothes in there, man, I hang them up and I put them on and I go out there and I, I drink, a, I drink a, a smoothie, it's a healthy drink, but I watch everybody else work out. No, it don't work that way, does it? You don't just get healthy, you don't get physically fit just showing up to the gym. Nor does going to church or simply just going to church make you spiritually fit. There is a growth and developing that comes day by day. Now, has anybody ever worked out at the gym? I know we've got one particular family that works out on a regular basis. There's a few hands that raised. But did you know that when it comes to getting healthy, there's always resistance? Come on. If it was easy, everybody would be physically fit. If if there was no resistance, everybody would be physically fit. They'd be going to the gym. They would be slim. They'd They'd be looking good, right? They'd have all kinds of energy. But there's resistance. The same thing is applicable to get spiritually fit. There is resistance. And not everybody does it. Even though it's simple principle application, it's not easy because you've got a purpose to do something or you might have to give something up, right? You might have to give up some time. You might have to show up for church a little more than once a month. You you know what I'm saying, right? not trying to be critical. I'm just saying you've got a purpose to grow and there's always going to be resistance to growing spiritually, physically, or whatever it might be. And so therefore we see here again this letter of intervention that Paul is writing to the church. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Now, listen, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So he's saying, listen now, he says, you're going to face some resistance. He says, now, I don't want you lacking knowledge because the enemy... He's going to come and he's going to resist you because he doesn't want you getting spiritually fit. What would it look like if you started getting spiritually fit? Your finances might look different. What if you got spiritually fit? Your physical health and body might look differently. Do you realize that that Satan loves it when you're sickly? Do you know that Satan loves it when you cram your face with Twinkies and all that junk food? 
Now, once again, I'm not saying that it's of the devil. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when, when we take it beyond and we indulge or we just make it such that we get un, physically unhealthy, right? And so he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of his devices. So let's look at this for just a moment. We talked about this last week. And I made reference to it here just a few minutes ago. But for the sake of, again, helping us understand, we are made up of three different parts. Spirit, soul, and body. If you remember in chapter 4, he says, Remember the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we talked about the real you on the inside. Do you see your spirit man, who you are for real on the inside? No, you don't see that individual. What about the outward man? The outward man, you see that person? Every day you look in the mirror. And if you're like me, every day you look in the mirror, it reminds you that every day you live, you're dying another day. Right? Isn't that the reality? Every day that I live another day, I'm dying one more day. And you start to see the wrinkles, you see the gray hair, you see the, the weight shifting. It was up here, now it's down here. It's just, you know, the, it's just you look differently, Right? The outward man, the the thing that you see is temporary. If you live long enough, this body is going to end up in the ground, right? But the real you is going to live forever. And so identifying that there are things or spiritual things that are unseen, but there are things that are seen that are only temporary. And therefore, I made this statement last week. I said, when it comes to your soul or your mind, your mind is connected to your spirit. Which it is, but I want to make a correction there. Now, once again, this ties in with being aware of the enemy's devices. I said that your mind is connected to your spirit, but it's also connected to your carnal or your physical man. Now, when it comes to your soul, we said this, that it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Or we could say it this way. It's your thoughts, your desires, and your feelings. Now... I said that your soul will be connected to either your spirit or your carnal man. If you purpose to be fit spiritually, your soul will follow your spirit. But if you're unfit spiritually and you're more carnal or more given to your natural man and natural appetites, your your soul will lead your flesh. Now let me define that. If you're strong spiritually and growing spiritually, just like those songs that we sing, God, you're a good God. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's the word of God. It might not have a chapter and verse on it, but when I'm spiritually fit, and growing and developing on the inside, and obstacles come, and thoughts come, and the enemy comes, is he going to try to affect my thought life? Sure he is. The enemy's going to come knocking on Jordan's door and says, you screwed up once again. Do you think God's going to forgive you this time? Well, wait a minute. God, you're a good God. You're perfect in all your ways. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Well, devil, no. You can just shut up now because... I'm spiritually fit. Maybe I messed up, but man, God, thank you for loving me. When when the doctor comes and tells you a bad report of your physical body, and you're like, oh! 
And the devil says, you, you've got three weeks to live. Your emotions want to go crazy, right? Yeah. But when you say, wait a minute. The Bible says that by his stripes I'm healed. That Jesus paid the price for my healing. Therefore, I stand on God's word and his promise. Therefore, my soul, my thought life, my, my emotions and my feelings don't run crazy. Because I bring them into subjection to say, nope. God's word says this, and therefore my spirit man becomes strong and my soul follows. But if I'm not growing spiritually, this is where I said there's a frustration when it comes to people that have been in church because they, they've been in church for 30 years, but they still live carnal. They still live like the old man. They still live life like they've always lived it. And therefore we hear about all this goodness of God and we're like, well, I don't ever see it. But Oftentimes we find ourselves living the carnal life where my physical body is and its cravings and its appetites are, 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 are just leading me around. And all of a sudden my emotions and my feelings and my thought life start to lead it. My spirit is trying to say, follow God. Help. But because you've been so carnal, fleshy, living like every other sinner in the world, if you want to call it that, all of a sudden you get a bad report. Your thought life no longer is controlled because your thought life is governed by circumstances. Your emotions and your feelings no longer governed by what God's promises said. It's governed by everything else that you're being told and how you feel because you're not spiritually fit you're not, you've not grown spiritually. Therefore, your soul and your emotions and your thought and your desires are leading everything that you do. Are you following me this morning? Did you realize that nobody ever gets themselves into a... Nobody ever robs a bank just one day because they woke up and said, I want to rob a bank. They started getting suggestions. Why don't you do that? Nobody ever become a mass murderer just because one day they woke up and said, you know what, I think I'm going to be a serial killer. No, they gave place to the thought life. They gave place to the desire. They gave place to the emotion. And little by little by little, it grew into something that became a monster. Well, they weren't spiritually fit. Are you following me this morning? And so once again, we're purposing to grow and develop. And he says, renew your mind. Grow spiritually. Renew this inward man day by day. Therefore, you won't have the opportunity to be pulled by your emotions and your feelings. You know, I mentioned that we have a family here that works out together. They go to the gym. They, they, they cross-train together. And one of the things that they've said, that once they started, they started down here in particular work uh, weights and repetitions and whatever. But they said it's never the same. Every time they go back to the gym, there's more resistance. They're expected to do more whether it's more weight, more repetition, whatever it might be, and it's for the development of their physical body. And so oftentimes, I, and I'm, I'm talking about this frustration that we might feel as believers, even if we walk with God, because all of a sudden we're starting to say, well, God, I'm not seeing the same results. I started out and it was real easy, God, but all of a sudden there's this resistance and I'm not getting the same results. What's up, God? Many times when we start walking with God, God wants to show you so much how he loves you that he'll do things just to say, I love you. And you're like, whoa, 
I mean, God does miracles, and you're like, man, God is so real. I mean, you're like, you start talking about God, and you start crying. because it's like, he's just so good. <laughs> because he becomes so real. But God doesn't want to spoon feed you all your life. And God is not always going to make it easy for you to necessarily receive from Him. And what I mean by that, He's not going to do it to where, oh, you, you have a desire? Here, let me just do it for you. The Bible says that we begin to grow in our faith walk to where God says, okay, back here, I made it a little bit easier just so you knew how good I was. But now I want you to begin to trust me and have faith for this thing. And in that begins to be resistance. Not for the sake of God resisting us, but He wants us to grow and become greater and more spiritually fit. And therefore, we've got to grow internally, spiritually speaking, so that when the obstacle comes, we can say, God, I still believe you. It didn't happen as fast as it did before, but I still believe you. Your your promise is still true. I'm still going to trust you. I believe you, and it's going to come to pass. And he says, okay, yep, yep, you are in faith. Here comes the answer. Are you following me this morning? God wants us to grow spiritually. When you think about your child, you you, you know, we're, we're in the process of potty training right now. The little girls were easy. The boy has been a nightmare. I mean, the girls, man, they, they lickety-split. He is, he's like, teach me, Dad, crying. I'm like, I am teaching you. But you tried to help him, and now it's gotten to the point where you're having to get a little more stern. All right, we're not doing this. You're not going to be four years old and going in your pull-up. We're wearing underwear, boy. He's not four years old. I'm, not, I'm just saying he's not going to get that. You know what I'm saying? You purpose to to stretch them and say, okay, you're going to learn and you're going to grow. You help them as a parent. You don't always coddle them. Your children aren't teenagers still going to to school having an an adult pull-up because they haven't learned how to potty train yet. Right? God isn't going to always coddle us to where we're always going around with an adult diaper, spiritually speaking. He's saying, it's time to grow up. It's time to trust me. It's time to believe me. It's time to stand on the word. I've given you my promise. Now stand on the word. Believe me that I'll do exactly what I said I will do. We're growing and God wants to develop us spiritually. As we continue to see in this letter of intervention, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, once again it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere. Did you notice the Bible says that he leads us in triumph? Everywhere that God is leading and directing us, it will end up in triumph. If we follow. If we let him lead and direct our lives. There are so many believers that their life is a mess and disaster. And we say, where's God in all this? And God said, I know. That was never my heart for you to end up in that situation, but you had to do things your way. (laughs) You wanted to be over here in the carnal flesh of man and then all your junk of life. And he says, but I've been trying to get you to become spiritually aware and spiritually fit so that I could lead you to places of triumph. Mere time in church... Just the existence of spending time year after year after year in church does not necessarily produce growth. 
but it may leave the fragrance of religion. What do I mean by that? Well, you see all kinds of people that go to church. They've been in church all their life. They don't have any success or victory in their life, but they're extremely rigid in their rules and dictate to everybody else, well, you ought not live that way. You know that's ungodly, don't you? You shouldn't be acting that way. It's just like, well, you're about the most ungodly thing yourself. Don't mean that, you, don't mean that you're Mr. Joe Christian just because you've been in church for all your life. Man, I, I love it when you get new baby Christians that are just hungry for God because they're like, okay, just give me, I want to know. Where you get other people that have been in church all their life and it's like, now I know a thing or two. I don't, I don't know, what do you do? Don't try to tell me. Right? Now, if just simply spending time in church, if that produces religion, then simply mere religion leaves the fragrance or it produces a lack of experience in the life of a believer. And therefore, we've seen all kinds of denominations created within church. You've got this church and that church and this church, this name and that denomination. Why is there so many different churches? Because there's been the lack of experience in the life of a believer to say, God is faithful to His promise. And therefore, we say, well, I guess I didn't experience what God said. So there Therefore, we just don't believe that over there. Have you ever seen that kind of church? Or maybe you've been a part of that? Well, we've heard about this, and we're not one of them churches because they, they think and believe that way. But we just believe this over here. Well, why do you just believe this over here? Because we've never experienced that over there, so we're going to stay over here. We call ourselves the whatever the denomination is. Are you, you following with me this morning? God's heart has never been having a denomination on the billboard of a church. He's called it the body of Christ. And then if all we have is denominational churches, then we pick and we choose what is applicable from the Bible that fits us. Well, I guess I didn't get healed by God, so I guess it's not God's will to heal my body. Your experience has no relevance at all whether God's word is true or not. It makes no relevance. It makes no difference of whether or not God's promises will come to pass in your life. He says for all, everybody say all. All All the promises of God are yes and so be it to your life. Is God a miracle working God? Well, he used to be. I've seen it in, no, he's still a miracle working God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So are you in the position to say, God, I need a miracle. If you're in a position to need a miracle, then God just might show up. If you say, God, lay it on me, baby. He's a miracle-working God. What about healing? Do you have need for healing in your life? He's a healing God. Well, wait a minute. I know that they don't teach that over in my church where I come from. I don't care what they taught you. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that His promises that He died for you so that you can have health and healing in your body, finances in your life, whatever it is, God says, these are my promises. Promises are not received by chance, they're received by faith. Promises are not received on a lottery system of whether or not I get the luck of the draw. It's based on a demand. And what I mean by a demand is not that you demand God, but the Word of God says, and therefore because God said it, I demand what this Bible says. And if it says I can have healing in my body, then bless God, I'm going to have healing in my body. If it says that my family can be healthy and whole, my marriage can survive, my kids don't have to go to hell in the handbasket, then bless God, I'm going to believe this thing and I'm going to demand what this word says for my life, for my children, for my ministry, for my, 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 my family. Because God, your promises are yes and so be it. So God, so be it in my home. 
So be it in my life. So be it in my mind. So be it in my family. Once again, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, we're talking about this letter of intervention. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 4. It says, We have such a trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to the thing of anything as been from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So here's the tactic of the enemy. And this is why the church has become looking the way that it is. This is why people that have been in church for 30 years don't have success and victory and triumph in their life is because they become self-sufficient. You can do it on your own. Let me just share a couple things as I wrap up. I mean, I'm not close to being done. Give me a few minutes, all right? But I'm just kind of, I'm kind of, (laughs) I'm cranking her down. But this past week, my in-laws came in and man we it was a great week with them my sister-in-law went to the bible college that we did but she walked away from god 30 years ago in the midst of walking away from god she met a man that was muslim now salah my brother-in-law he is such an awesome guy he is such a, a man of love a generous man, a good-hearted man, a good family man, a father and a husband, but he don't know God. Now, a couple years ago, his health really spiraled out of control, and he was in intensive care, and he almost died. Now, in the midst of that, my wife, she says, uh-uh, you ain't dying on my watch because you don't know Jesus yet. And so she says, God, he can't die yet, not until he comes to know you. And so his, his health finally got better. Now, I'm talking about demanding the word, demanding the promise. And so he started getting better. And in the midst of that time, he told his wife, now, now pay attention to a couple of things here. He said, the whole time that I was in my room, there has been a man standing over there. I don't know who he is. He said, but I just told him I'm not ready yet. And then my sister-in-law, having some understanding of things of, of God, she says, well, do you think it was Jesus? He says, I don't know. But during that time, on the edge of eternity, there was a whole lot more vulnerability in their lives. But over the last two years, they've begun to manage that life. Now, his kidneys are shot. He goes to dialysis three times a week, four hours each time. He takes a handful of pills every day. He, she pretty much takes care of him like a child. Kelly, she said to her sister, she says, Has, it looks like it has totally altered your life. And she says, yeah, it has turned our world upside down. Everything revolves around this. And she said as she's going to the dialysis uh, with, with her, her, her sister and brother-in-law, she says she's searching her heart and saying, God, I'm wanting an opportunity to share Jesus with them, but there just don't seem like there's any, it seems like there's this wall up. And she says, what's the deal? They used to be in a position where they're a little bit vulnerable, but now the walls come up. What's up? And God told her, he says, they can manage it now. They're managing all the details of life. It's on the, it's on the edge of disaster, but they can manage it. So as long as they can manage it, they're okay. 
in the lives of believers, you see that all the time where they're saying, God, I want you in my life for eternity. I want to know that I can spend eternity. I got my ticket into heaven. But their life is on the edge of disaster. And rather than saying, God, I surrender my life to love and serve you, I'll manage it. I'll do it of my sufficiency. And as a result, life, like I said, is right on the edge of disaster. But I can manage it. It's okay, God. I got it. I got it. God doesn't want us that way. Now, the last story I'll share with you is this. I shared with you last week of a, of a young man that was a principal of a school, and he was in the Bible college that I was teaching. I'm a, I'm a if you want to call me a professor. I'm a, <laughs> but I teach at a Bible school down in Sterling Heights. And one of my classes that I have is that all the graduating students have to minister or preach a little sermon, if you will, to the entire student body. And so I shared last week one of, one of the students' stories. One of the other students shared this. As she got up and just ministered to the class, she started to tell her life story. She said when she was three years old, she lost her dad in a severe car accident. She said so all of her life, she's been looking for a dad figure to find that father. And she says, as a result, she became very promiscuous. She became addicted to drugs and just got into all kinds of trouble in her life. And she became pregnant as a teenager. And she says, life was a mess. And she said, then I found Grace Christian Church, which is the church that that school is out of. She said, I started going to church. And she said, my life started turning around as a result of getting involved in the church. She said, but then I met a man. And she said, now, this man was a married man. And she said, I knew that I, I shouldn't have pursued him, but I continued to pursue him. And as a result, he left his wife, and we started living together. What made matters worse, I stopped going to church, and he was involved in witchcraft. And there was a series of events that took place there. But to fast forward, she says, I got to the point where I said, God, I can't do it anymore. She goes, God, I give it to you, and God, I want you to get his life as well. She went back to church. She gave her heart to Christ. He came into the church behind her. As a result, they started serving in the church, got involved in the church, got involved in the life of the church, and their life became dramatically different. And as a result, she said, God took care of us. She said in that particular time of her life, financially, it was very hard. She said, if I had a refrigerator that went out, she said the next day somebody called me and said, hey, do you have need of a refrigerator? said, God just showed up. She said, if we had need of money for Christmas, somebody just showed up and said, hey, we want to bless you for Christmas to, to take care of your kids. She said, God was so good to us. And then she said, one day, her oldest daughter woke up and her eye was swollen up. They took her to the doctor and they did an x-ray and she had a massive tumor behind her eye. And the doctor said, because of how fast it showed up, more than likely is cancer he says now we don't have adequate treatment or to handle this he said so I'm going to schedule you to go to see somebody else so they, they made the appointment but in between the couple days of the appointment they went back to their church now I'm talking about growing spiritually I'm talking about us being healthy I'm talking about intervening as to what God wants to do in our lives she went back to her church and the, the, the associate pastor she says this is the report that the doctors are giving us but we believe in the promise of God 
they prayed. They went back to the appointment. Nothing outwardly changed. But they went back to the specialist. They took the MRI. The doctor came back and he says, I've got the x-rays from the first doctor. And I see the mass. He says, the MRI that I'm looking at now has just a hole. He says, so I know that something was there because it's right there. He said, the good news is, is that it's gone. And he says, and that hole that's there, he says, that'll all go back together. Perfectly sound, healthy hole. As a result of coming to a place to say, God, I trust you. I believe your promises. And in 2004, she was pregnant with her last child. She had a two-year-old little girl. And they went to a family's graduation. It was her cousin, she said. She said on the way to the graduation, they stopped to pick up McDonald's for the two-year-old two because she's a finicky eater. And they said, well, at least we can get her to eat McDonald's. They get to the graduation party. They took the little girl over to the sandbox and they gave her her McDonald's and she began to eat it. The property that they were on, they happened to have a, goat or a, a golf cart to get around there and it was right next to the sandbox. A man happened to be drunk, got into the golf cart, thought it was in gear to go forward, but it was actually in reverse. He slammed on the gas, ran up over the sandbox, crushing the little two-year-old baby underneath. Everybody starts screaming. He gets off, they come over, they lift up the golf, uh, the, the golf cart off the baby. The baby's lifeless. They grab her, begin to run to the doctors. They, they're calling 911. All the while, they're, they're praying in other tongues. You think, oh, that tongue stuff. Well, the Bible talks about it. I'm just saying, I'm telling you what she said. We began to pray and believe God. And she said, we began to pray, saying what the Word says, that, that, that this baby will live and not die and she'll show, show forth the salvation of the Lord, that by your stripes she is healed. All the while, standing on the Word, standing on the promises with a lifeless, limp baby. They go into ER. The doctors take her in behind the doors. All the while, they're praying. God, your word says. God, your promise says. God, we trust you. God, we believe you. The doctor comes out. He says, well, he says, other than the couple broken blood vessels on her chest and on her head, she's perfectly sound and whole. Now notice what the doctor said. He said, I don't know what God you were praying to, but whatever you were praying to, you should thank Him. Because no two-year-old baby experiences this and lives. I'm talking about a God that loves us, wants to know us, is perfect in all of His ways. And He wants to be real to you and I. Not to experience the junk of life and just live there, but to go through it and let Him lead us to triumph and victory in every aspect of our life. Is it always easy? No. Is it a growth process? Yeah. Does it stretch us? Oh, yeah. But God loves us. And He wants us to experience all that He came to give us. Amen. Let's stand. I know I went a couple minutes long.
So I just want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you said, I've heard you talking about having a relationship with God that is real, and you might say, I don't know that. You may say, I'm a believer, but I don't know that. If you're here and you say, I want that from God, it's just that easy. It's just simply saying, God, here am I. And you'll see what God will do. With nobody looking around with every head bowed, I just want you to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray with you. Anybody here in this place and say, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be made real in my life. I see that hand. 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 Amen. You can put it down once you put it up. I see that hand back there. Come on. Praise God. Anybody else? Say, I want to know God the real way that you talk about him. Anybody else? I see that hand back there. Amen. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. If you wish you would have or should have raised your hand, you can still pray this prayer and it still means the same. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus that he died for my sins, that he went to the grave and he rose on the third day. And I believe and I ask that you be the Lord of my life right now Jesus name and God I ask you be real in my life help me grow spiritually and experience your promises in Jesus name and we all said amen 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 come on man that's what church is all about it's coming to know him it's walking with him and God is going to become real hang with us amen Come on, just let's do journey, let's do the journey of life together. Praise the Lord. I'm gonna dismiss you, but the worship team is gonna play us out. So God bless you, you're dismissed. Have a good week. Amen.